0: biggest advantage that we could build for our customers is getting them to ask better questions at the right time. Uh, So that's definitely our focus and just like training our algorithms to be able to do that. The whole idea of CLAF is to get marketers to start thinking from a bottoms-up approach to what could I possibly want to learn about my customer.
1: So on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the competitive advantages you can gain by asking customers the right questions. It's a great episode, you do not want to miss it, so do stay tuned.
2: Retail and e-commerce have witnessed an unprecedented transformation in the last decade. The widespread adoption of mobile technology, technology, social media, as well as the lowered cost of cloud-based technology have not only eroded the barriers to entry in retail, But it's also led to the rapid rise and dominance of digital native product brands that sell directly to their customers. On this podcast, you'll get the scoop on customer acquisition and retention strategies employed by high growth digital native product brands. Not being afraid to spend because you know that customer is going to pay it back uh, three or fourfold.
1: Hi, 2Xers. Welcome to the 2X eCommerce podcast show. I'm your host, Kunle Campbell. The 2X eCommerce podcast show is dedicated to digital commerce insights for retail and e-commerce teams. Each week on this podcast, we interview either a commerce expert, a founder of a digital native brand, consumer brand, or representative from a best-in-class commerce SaaS platform with a tight remit to give you ideas you can test right away on your brand so that you can improve commerce growth metrics such as conversions, average order value, repeat customers, your audience size, and ultimately your gross merchant value or sales. Mm. We're here to help you sell more sustainably. Now on today's show, um, it's a long time coming because I've been Mm. trying behind the scenes to to get, um, you know, this gentleman, this expert on board, um, you know, because been hearing a lot about um, their platform on, on Twitter and the D2C e-commerce Twitter space. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, we need to have them on. His name is Matt Barr. He's a co-founder of a, um, a software solution or a, a SaaS solution called Enquire Labs. Now, Enquire Labs are a leading zero-party data utility provider for thousands of e-commerce brands, including Allbirds, Skims, and Fig. Now, what they do essentially is They, at the moment, um, provide customer insights, customer insights, not shopper insights, customer insights after they have purchased. So right off the bat of um, making a purchase, Enquirer Labs comes in and asks critical questions. How did you hear about us? Who are you? Did you have any issues? Could you describe yourself? So really critical questions that um, that, that essentially, um, you know, Mm -hmm. Give you more insights to to enable you um, just improve all of all of your 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 operations your 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 product your marketing, and to know your customers better to serve them better they actually have a a framework called the customer level attribution framework, which you know Matt explains could be a competitive advantage for um, you know e commerce operators to um Viewing data slightly differently from customers, that gives you this um, competitive advantage to to take more nimble actions To be more nimble with the insights you get. Um, He talks a lot about flexibility, um, having the flexibility and um, to be able to adapt to questions the way you ask questions, um, just not asking everybody the same questions, right? Um, but making sure that um, you know the way you ask a new customer, brand new brand new customer, is different to the way you ask a repeat customer, or the way you ask a a customer that's come from Facebook is different from the, the questions you ask you know um, customers from Google because you know a bit more you know about these customers and how they probably found out about you. So it's a bit nuanced, and, and so mm. making these adjustments based on channels, based on the context of the customer, um, where the customer is coming from could be very, very critical. At the end of the day, this links up to just knowing your customers better in order to serve them better. If there's just one sort of takeaway, one big idea from, from this, um, conversation, he is, uh, an accomplished marketer. He's worked at, um, uh, with um, you know fifty hundred million dollar plus companies, he has the, the Enquire Lab have customers you know from the one to hundred million you know dollar plus. So they get a lot of insights. And what's quite interesting, I asked him a question which you need to listen to this episode about, which is like, what's the number one channel um, customers are saying um, they heard about brands on Enquire Labs, and they have over two thousand you know Shopify stores powered by. Um, by, by Inquire Labs, so it'd be very interesting for you to find out um, the, the the number one platform. Um, you know, customers are saying um, they found out first about brands, and we also talk about first and last. You know, last click attribution and the importance of it. You know, how to weigh things out, and what happens beyond just getting um, you know data. You know, from from Inquire Labs. What next do you do? Um, in in order to really map out that customer journey if it's important at all. Terrific episode I is he's a his, you know, he's a very technical marketer, um, very data driven, and um, he knows his his stuff. He knows his stuff. Um so yeah, it's 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 a terrific episode. Enjoy this episode and um just want to give a shout out to Recharge our new um, you know, sponsors they the mid mid-roll sponsor for this, you know, um, podcast. Um, just thank you for your support, and um, I shall catch you all on the next side. On the other side, enjoy this episode. Really, really good convo. I enjoyed it. Cheers. <laughs> The 2x e commerce podcast is brought to you by Clavio, the ultimate e commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Clavio gives you the tools to get growing faster. That is why it's trusted by over 50,000 e commerce brands like Brooklyn Inn, None, and Choppies build your contact list, send emails that pop and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit Clavio.com forward slash 2x to create your free account. That is klaviyo.com forward slash 2x. Hey, Matt, welcome to the 2X eCommerce Podcast Show. I've been looking forward to this conversation for like forever. So so welcome. Pleasure to have you. Thanks so much for having me. Super excited to be here. Amazing. Amazing. Right. I I want to, before we jump into what you guys do, which I think is phenomenal for the D2C ecosystem in Shopify, I I want you to to kind of tell me what did you, what were you up to before Labs? What's your backstory?
0: Yeah, totally. So I've been in e-commerce uh for a little over a decade. Um, I spent the first six or seven years on the merchant side. Uh so uh very early on in my twenties, had a small consultancy, uh, advising at the time online retailers, which is funny a term that's not used too often. It's all just D to C brands. Um, was doing that for about three years, and then I helped start a headphone company here in New York called Master and Dynamic. Uh, was the first kind of operating employee there in uh, led all things e-commerce from the media budget to logistics, essentially just the whole p on the e-commerce side. Um, and I was there for about three years. Um, so that's really where I, I... At least a lot of the product decisions we've made with Enquire come out of my experience as a merchant. Um, and I left that company in 2016... And again, I don't tell this story too often, but at the time, very uh, very enamored with same-day delivery. Um, So at Master and Dynamic, we were one of the first brands, I think the first brand after Everlane uh, in New York to integrate with Postmates same-day delivery API. Um, And again, just enamored with the whole idea that somebody could go to our site, masterdynamic.com, Purchase a pair of headphones and get those headphones literally within an hour in all of Manhattan. Um, so we were uh, we were integrated with them for about a year, um, and at the time we were also in Soho's Apple Store. And uh, to me, I was like, "Why are we selling more stores in the Soho Apple Store than in than on our .dot com in New York?" Um, so that was kind of like this whole thesis I had. Um, left that company in 2016, really to go dive Into the same day delivery space, um, was trying to understand those things. Uh, my current co founder and I spent about two years in the space, really not ever finding product market fit. We were a consumer marketplace and a B2B SaaS. Um, and then in April of 2018, while we were kind of winding down that business, uh, or just kind of like in this desperate, we don't have product market fit, what do we do? We're transitioning to consulting. Uh, we we're advising this handbag company in New York called Kara Sport. Uh, Aaron, their CEO, was having trouble with marketing attribution. Uh, pretty high AOV, two three hundred dollars. Mm. Whenever he looked in Google Analytics, all of his data, like all of his conversions, were coming from direct or branded search. So he had like no insight into what was driving sales. Uh, he was using Facebook as kind of an ad platform, but was only that was only, I think, 30% of their revenue. So that for us was, uh, I suggested to go add a survey for him post-purchase. He did so with the Google Form. We used a different app at the time that allowed you to drop HTML on the page. Um, I don't think it exists anymore because I think Shopify now, or Shopify does allow you to do that. Um, and the insight there was that the data was just super, super valuable to him and his team. Um, he was obsessed with looking at this, at this Google form, but the issue was the Google form lived in an iframe. So, uh, it wasn't connected to the order data or the customer data. So he'd get all of these really good responses and he'd be like, who submitted this response? And I'd be like, I have no idea. Uh, if somebody left the window open for five hours, it could be any of these five orders. Um, so that was the, that was actually kind of my whole career leading up to building Enquire, um, we were phasing out the same day delivery product we had. We're very comfortable with Shopify's API um, and built the initial version in about two weeks. Um, so yeah, I think we launched on May 6th, 2018.
1: May 6, 2018. You, you, you're you an essential layer in the tech stack in, in, in DTC right now. Um, and I'm not just talking about it from a Twitter standpoint, you know, because a lot of people talk about, you know, um, Triple Whale, Enquire Labs, you know, and, and the like. You're, you're essential. And so, what's been the trajectory of growth um, since since 2018?
0: Yeah. So for the first two years, Enquire was very much, uh, very much a side project. Like we, uh, uh, I think when we initially launched it, we're just like, this would be cool if this buys us around a round of beers a month or something, kind of thing. Um, so the first two years, we weren't really focused on it. We spent an hour or so a week. Um, and a key insight essentially right before right before COVID, which is when we went full-time, was we had about 300 customers, I think. Um, but about 200 of them were on Shopify Plus. So it was insightful to us of like, okay, Shopify has all these merchants. At the time, they had like, call it 3,000 plus merchants uh, and 200 of them were using our product. So that gave us the confidence to go full time. We raised a little bit of angel money from some customers and a couple angels. And the pitch was really like, let us focus on this for a few months. Like we're not like, I'm not pitching you this disk kind of grandiose Qualtrics competitor today. We're really like, we know the Shopify space. That's our network. That's our background. So um Last year, or in 2020, I got, I got to stop saying last year. In, in 2020, we scaled um, from about two 300 customers to about a 1,000. Um, and at that time, uh, all of our customers were asking for multi-question. Um, so at the time, we were still single question. Again, it was a very simple app. We, for the most part, built in a couple of days. Um, we're asking for multi-question. So mm-hmm. uh, earlier last year, we built uh, multi-question, which we... Uh, we call it question stream. It's trademarked uh, for a very specific reason. It has a patent out on. And the whole idea is we want customers to start thinking about survey data in a similar way that they think about Google Analytics data. It's a stream of data just feeding into their existing MarTech solutions, into their reporting that allows them to make better decisions in real time. Um, so that's as far as like the future and our whole lineage it was like, okay, started with attribution, side project. I want to say we just waited for the perfect time, but it was really just the market decided to catch up with us from a privacy standpoint and now into building something that's just way more robust uh, that can solve a multitude of business problems beyond attribution.
1: So you're really beneficiaries to this Apple track and transparency issue. You know, um, a a lot of um, the entire industry is is having to, to grapple
0: with at the moment. Yeah, very much so. Like we, we definitely saw our growth increase. I'd say like even before it happened, like it's definitely helped us and given us a ton of credibility. Uh, but even before it happened, we were starting to grow a couple months before, probably six months before is, I think people just saw this coming. Um, and brands started to just get off, like CPMs on Facebook were starting to really increase. So brands were eager to switch, get into other channels like podcasts, for example, and influencers and just mm-hmm. needed a way to measure this. Uh, and a lot of these things are, I don't want to say impossible, but very difficult to measure if you're just looking at uh, click data. Interesting, super interesting. Okay,
1: so just taking two steps back um, beyond question trim, if I got you know the term right in terms of multiple questions in a survey, um, could you break down to listeners who don't understand you know um, you know how Enquire Labs actually works exactly how you work? So it's post purchase right? So I've made a purchase on a, on a D2C, you know, website. I get typically prior to question trim, I will get one question, which is how did you hear about us? Right. And then I might have heard about you on, on, on TikTok, but I Googled you just now and I'll say TikTok because that's where I really remembered you know, finding out about you. It's, it's like originating, um, you know, um, channel, you know, question, where did you really hear about us? Was it a friend? So would you give a list of options um, initially in the survey um, or um, was it just free, free text?
0: Yeah. So we'd always recommend giving a list of options uh, unless maybe just to start, if you have no idea where your customers come from. Um, There's a ton of data in the other field. So we do recommend you leave this other field open. Uh, It's kind of, uh, we have this framework internally we call like no knowns and, there's this whole idea of an unknown unknown uh which is like a channel that customers come from that you don't even know exists um so like the really only way to get it is to ask um it could be something like word of mouth for an example like what percentage of your customers come from word of mouth is a is a a question that is only answered by asking customers you can't rely on Direct or any any of that data, um, so and and also getting more definitive kind of single response data is just much more easily like very easily analyzed versus open open text data if you're doing considerable volume.
1: Mm-hmm. I like that no unknowns. Okay, so now with um, the with inquiry Labs getting you know a bit more sophisticated or more sophisticated um, beyond that, where did you hear about us? What, um, you know, what other questions are you having to ask, um, you know, customers who've essentially jumped across the chasm, <laughs> the, yep. the whole chasm, you know, um, who've actually, they're no longer shoppers, they're, they're now customers. What else do you want to know
0: about customers? Yeah, we we group this into four categories. Uh, so we have attribution, uh, attribution related questions are like, how did you hear about us? Uh, how long have you known about us to understand the consideration window? Um, there's a different way to phrase these again for returning customers as well if you're trying to understand kind of attribution for returning customers. So attribution is the first one. Uh, The second one is just general personalization. Uh, So think of like what other data points would you like in your ESP that would allow you to send better emails? Um, One of our favorite questions is how would you classify yourself? Um, And it's just the, the example I've given is we work with this company that sells this piece of hardware and they sell to educators uh, hobbyists and professionals, and it's like very clear user personas that allow them to then send personalized content follow ups et etc um, so that's definitely someone something we recommend to all of our customers, like what are your user personas um, and it's funny how how often we hear like we kind of know them like we just and you haven't really needed to know them because you traditionally just like invested in Facebook and Facebook just found the different personas, but Mm -hmm. knowing them again is going to help you optimize creative and a a ton of other things. So attribution, uh, personalization. The third one is CRO. So conversion rate optimization. Uh, Surveys are an incredible tool for just getting started with CRO. Uh, So questions like, how was your shopping experience? Uh, Typically recommend starting that one with kind of a, a single response, like good... Uh, or bad, good, great uh, with follow-ups on each of them. So it's like bad, what can you tell us about it? Or use emojis, however you want to kind of talk talk with your brand voice and then have the user follow up. So it was great. Well, what was so great about it? Um, and this is a very easy way to learn like it was good. And then you'll hear customers be like, well, I spent 10 minutes looking for your return policy. And uh, it's, well, you should probably take your return policy and start to maybe link to it near the add to Carpa and like make it more accessible. So these customers don't have to dig deep and find these data points. Um, so uh, just to kind of run through them again, it's attribution, personalization, CRO. And the fourth one is just general customer research. Uh, so this is where I'd say all survey platforms historically have sit in the research corner um, where we, we always talk about operational or oper- operationalizing this data. So, like, how do we actually put this data to use in real time? Um, where historically survey data has always just been for research. So the research questions that are super valuable are just like questions like age and gender. Um, just like, why did you buy today? Again, that's kind of crosses the uh, customer research and CRO side of things. Um, but just starting to understand more about your customers. Uh, and then the holy grail of all of this is just combining all of this data. So now you have a customer who answered maybe five or six questions. Like, what channel are they coming from? Like, okay, so now we know like people who purchase for this reason are this age and gender from TikTok are different than people who purchase for this reason are this age and gender who come from mm-hmm. TikTok. So you essentially have these two TikTok audiences that you are always just grouping into one. Um, and we see that all the time. So that's the, as far as utility beyond, like you'll see us, uh, you'll see us move beyond post-purchase this year and that's like, we'll start to look a little bit more like some of these kind of legacy survey players. Um, again, we don't, we really talk about our question stream, not surveys. You actually don't see, we don't use the word surveys anywhere in our product because again, we want people to think about this linear conversation with customers. Like what can you learn? So you'll think, you'll see things like NPS and other more traditional survey things, uh, Coming out of us, uh, just Eventually. later this year, yeah. Eventually, interesting. So, so at the core of it, it's it's a customer insights platform, really. Inquire Labs, exactly. And it's the the real difference between us and survey platforms is just this continuous conversation. Like every customer has a co- a customer ID versus most survey platforms today. You create a survey, and then you add questions to that survey, and then you say who do you want this question to target. Where for us. You create, it's like, what do I want to learn? And you create a question and each question can have its own targeting. Uh, So hypothetically, you and I could purchase somewhere, or maybe via email in the future, get completely different surveys, just based on our algorithm or the way that a customer has set up our platform. Okay. So um, how much
1: guidance does the platform give users? So users being operators, you know, um, to set all of this up, you know, you, you you talked about attribution, personalization, CRO, um, you know, customer research insights. Um, at, at the point of setup, is is it is it very intuitive? Do I just figure it out, tinker with it? Um, what does it look like
0: behind the scenes? Yeah, it's it's definitely very intuitive. We we have a question bank, uh, which is just a link out to a table today, uh, which is really just for inspiration. Uh, as far as attribution surveys goes, I think we've done a very good job of just getting a ton of brands on them. So most, I'd say most, if not all, customers who want to implement an attribution survey have already seen one and have a pretty good idea of how they want it to be set up. Um, we do have best practices in content in our docs in this question bank, uh, but it is pretty much self-service. Like our team is always there to help um, one of our like internal goals is just to get customers to ask more questions. So mm-hmm. like if you're only asking one question, how do we get you to ask two? Um, and part of that, you'll, you'll see UI changes this year, but we're definitely leaning on the question bank as far as giving inspiration there. And then in terms of user experience, is this similar to like a
1: form experience or is it like a pop under Litrix, um you know, type experience? Or how would you
0: define, how would you sort of describe the, the Inquire Labs, um user experience on the front end? Yeah, simple. Like, And that's very much on purpose. Uh, we like to have all of the kind of complex, the complexity hidden, obviously, from the user. Um, I think we have some design challenges ahead of us is how we continue to do that. Um, but for us, it's very intuitive to create a list of questions within your question stream, add new questions, reorder them, turn them on, turn them off. Um, so that's definitely a... It's obviously going to get more complex. It's the fun challenge for us as we add more functionality. Um, but for the most part, I think it's been a... Not necessarily a breath of fresh air, but just very intuitive and easy for our customers to like get set up, add a question, and turn it on. Probably all within five minutes. Okay, and and then for for
1: shoppers, you know, when shoppers convert to to customers, um, so once they've um, you know got into the thank you page or order confirmation page, what happens? Does the screen sort of you know um, change like a type form experience or? Um, to how how does inquire lab sort of
0: trigger itself you know in in the auto confirmation page yeah so we actually inject a form directly into the page um, so we don't load in an iframe essentially there's security reasons and also just like styling issues with that uh, so we actually inject the form and grab all the existing styles from the page so on Shopify it's very much one click you Install us, turn us on. You usually don't have to do anything unless you want to get fancy or something or customize something a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also allows you to, like, we're going to be publishing some uh, snippets of code this week that allow you to do full page takeovers, like mm-hmm. fully customize this. So if you wanted something that looked more like Typeform, you could very easily do that. Um, so it's the the options are definitely limitless. We've had companies like Vuori and Made in just like. Totally surprise us with like who is pa- Oh, that's us powering it. It looks nothing like our default question. Like, and they've just styled, styled it like crazy. And it was like, oh, this is this is incredible. So we're kind of like taking some inspiration from them and going to publish some stuff to allow customers to see all the options. Yeah, it's it's great to have um, you know um, you know just
1: brand first, um, you know, customers, you know, just driving innovation there. And then you, you know, you still you, you, you essentially take in inspiration to, to to further improve your product. Yeah. Let's take this quick break to hear from our sponsors. The subscription market is predicted to grow to nearly 500 billion by 2025. As a fast growing area in commerce, subscriptions hold tremendous opportunities to build a community of customers who share your values. Recharge is the leading subscription management solution helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale subscription offerings. Recharge powers the growth of over 15,000 subscription merchants and their communities, turning one-time transactions into long-term customer relationships. Whether you're a direct-to-consumer business or an omnichannel brand, subscriptions strengthen the brand relationships with your customers and make it easy for customers to make repeat purchases. With subscriptions, merchants are able to experience predictable revenue, increased customer loyalty, and higher average order values. Turn transactions into relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. Get started today with subscription payment solution trusted by over 50 million subscribers worldwide by heading over to rechargepayments.com forward slash 2x. That is rechargepayments.com forward slash 2x. g-i-a-s dot com and mention 2x e-commerce podcast for two months free that is gorgeous.com for two months free just mention 2x e-commerce um in in terms of like um pushing data from inquire labs to um you know critical um you know shall i say channels or platforms um Am I right in saying that, um, in your Shopify customer, you know, um, you know, section or, um, just customer list that, um, new fields are added, um, from Inquire Labs or, um, where do I sort of, or do I just log into my Inquire Labs, um, you know, app to, to, to see, -see, um, re-see customer data?
0: do, Do you append the data to, to like your, to, to customer data? Yeah, so we don't by default. So we are capturing customer email, customer ID, order ID, like within our platform. That's how our platform needs to work uh, today to know which questions to serve. Uh, But we leave it up to the user as far as where they want and how they want the data. So we have a Shopify flow integration, which is one of our most popular integrations. Like we more than half of our customers are on Plus, um, so we've definitely. Kind of, at least our roadmap initially was focused on them. Um, so, if you wanted to tag orders, tag customers, uh, we have customers using Shopify's new meta fields functionality to get the data to live on the order or customer record as well. Again, not uh, as of today, it's still not exportable, so not the most ideal place to to live. But it is key value pairs, which is definitely easier to understand while you're looking at the page. Um, so that's what we've relied on today. Um, and then alloy as well, which is essentially similar to flow, um, so if you want to get the data anywhere out of our platform that 's how customers have done it today incredible incredible, incredible great stuff great stuff um,
1: so let 's talk about um, surveys in general and quizzes you know so how do surveys you know so quizzes get to put make unknown. known just using your pilots um, it applies um, it gets you to no unknown traffic. So it rather than having unknown traffic, you start to you know, get some more insights in with traffic. So, so how do you sort of, not just compare to, to quizzes, how, how do you map out that ecosystem? So data I'm getting from quizzes, you know, kind of correlates with um, or is integrated with data we're getting from surveys. Do you see yourselves playing free purchase at some point so it's one singular you know customer data you know center
0: yeah for sure like we we're investing the majority of our resources into our question engine um so we want to we want to be the application that serves the right question at the right time so We are, at least today, somewhat agnostic to what that future looks like. It might be a a quiz tool actually utilizing our API and us powering the questions that are asked on the front end. It might be us building a front end functionality with forms. Um, We're definitely open to that. But we see the biggest advantage that we could build for our customers is getting them to ask better questions at the right time. Uh, So that's definitely our focus in just like training our algorithms to be able to do that, like we're already at a volume level where we could start being somewhat smart with that. So, as far as the future goes, like we want to live everywhere uh, for sure. Like you name it, like pre-purchase SMS, email, landing pages, etc. And but the first step in getting there is understanding which questions to ask where. And I think our kind of holy grail is like, okay, Matt enters a site and he has never filled out a quiz before on the other. 500 sites that Enquire Labs powers quizzes. Like, we're not even going to show him a quiz because the likelihood of him completing it is zero. So we're going to capture this data from Matt on a different surface. Maybe it's via SMS after repurchases. So that's how we're thinking about capturing this data kind of programmatically long-term. Mm-hmm. Speaking
1: of which, um, customer data points, um, data is becoming... Like hugely critical. Um, we, you know, we're we're now in the age of you know zero zero-party data, and you know this is pretty much zero-party data. You know, post-purchase yep. essentially, um, and first-party data, behavioral data. Um, from your opinion, um, from what you guys are seeing, what are you know critical customer data points? E-commerce directors and operators who are listening to this show should pay attention to.
0: Yeah, I think it's like just thinking about first and first party data and zero party data. Uh, obviously, zero party data. I'm not going to I'm not going to not pitch that. But I think the going back to our this CLAF, this customer level attribution framework that we're currently working on. OK, um, CLAF. What is CLAF? Yeah, For so it's, who- it's just a framework. So it, we're still up in the era of like, will we publish a template or will we publish Things, but the whole idea is competitive advantages are built around uh, proprietary kind of frameworks or tools or analytics. And the whole idea of CLAF is to get marketers to start thinking from a bottoms-up approach to what do what, what could I possibly want to learn about my customer? So the products they purchase, their survey questions, and if we then analyze that data thereafter, what is the narrative that that data tells us? So as far as like what data I would look at, like it might not be like click data for every time somebody visits a site because that might be very hard for us to analyze and put on the customer record. Like again, if you're very large and you could process and analyze all that for sure. But just getting started, like what in a more simplistic way, like what can help you make better decisions and analyze that? So we, in a lot of this framework rather comes from like, our experience just like setting up databases like we have a i think our our second most trafficked blog post on the Enquire site is how to set up a postgres database with your shopify data like it takes two minutes you don't have to be technical so a lot of these frameworks that are ways that we think start with like a database thinking versus a top-down like tool or SaaS platform thinking Um, and that's like if we can get more customers to think in that manner like what are the tables that make up my customers and my business? You're going to be able to build a lot better kind of internal, we'll call it proprietary competitive advantage. Sounds like a word mouth, but or a mouthful rather. But that's that's really what we're pushing our customers to start thinking about doing. Just the way you view data and the way you act in it eventually, which yeah. will create you know a moat
1: um, around your just your insights and then you know um, allow you to make. Progressive
0: changes, essentially. That feedback loop is important, yeah. Yeah, one of my... I've always had this hypothesis. Again, this isn't tried and tested many times over. But for me, it's like, at what stage does a brand bring in an analyst? Someone whose sole job is to analyze the data. And if you think about a brand, let's say, doing 3 or 4 million online with 65, 70% margin, like when does this employee start to pay for themselves? Like think of it kind of like a a lever or an angle. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, can this person paying them, an entry-level person or a year or two of experience, call it around 80 to 100 grand, can that person then generate that in... Bottom line revenue by allowing you to understand your customers better and make better decisions. And like I would argue, yes, again, but like having this background is a little jaded. But that's kind of like the story that I push people to start thinking about versus like relying on all of these third parties to make all of their decisions.
1: So are you saying Inquire Labs is looking to be the data plug prior to when you get an actual human, an actual analyst um, when you're ready for an actual analyst to to, to, to really crunch the data from a, from a data perspective?
0: Yeah, at least from a zero-party data perspective and survey data perspective. Like we don't, like our view on that holistically, like we integrate with Dacity, for example, really good partner of ours. Like we don't want to compete with Dacity. Like to, to my point before, we want to get really good at serving questions. And yeah, you already use Dacity for your entire BI reporting. Like, Here's your Enquirer data in Dacity. Like there's no reason for you to log into both platforms. Makes Um, sense.
1: Okay.
0: Um, An off-field
1: question. Um, You know, you guys, you have over a thousand, you know, um, brands, half of which are Shopify. Um, What's been the biggest channel thus far? You know, so that question, that um, North Star question, how did you hear about us? Yep. Um, if you're to consolidate all answers, um, what's been the number one, two, and three channel?
0: Yeah, it's definitely Facebook. Uh, and now there's there's over 2,000 customers on the platform. Um, so we, we have a pretty large data set. It's about, I don't know what it is, 15 to 20 million. In Q4, it was double that, but it's it's a lot of data as far as from a monthly standpoint. The biggest platforms are Facebook, Instagram, uh, by far still, um, like by how, far. So How does TikTok compare now? Uh, It's growing exponentially for sure. Um, It's growing. Yeah. It used to be like, it was, I think uh, the first month, maybe there was like 10 in our platform. There's got to be at least two to 300,000 responses a month, at least from TikTok now. So it's growing exponentially. We don't, we have gone back and forth a lot around, do we publish this type of data? Yeah. So Uh, I was going to ask us my question. (laughs) Yeah. So we, we don't yet, um, mainly because A marketer, a brand who's doing, call it 10 to 20 million dollars, their channel makeup is very different than a brand that's doing like one to two million. And we don't like, if I start shouting from the rooftops that TikTok is a great channel, everyone's going to start investing in TikTok. And the people that discovered it first using Inquirer Labs are going to have to eventually pay a higher CPM. Sure. So we're we've definitely gone back and forth as far as how much benchmarking do we do, like, and we'll start to do it. I think once a channel gets critical mass, like Facebook, Instagram, word of mouth is a great one we could start to do, um, but like, there's. I don't want to call them secret channels, but there's some channels that most people would never think of that drive so much volume. And it's just like a certain brand has figured out a channel. Like what? <laughs> uh, I'm Yeah, I'm not going to say just because that would... <laughs> we want customers to be able to trust us with all of this data. All
1: will right, um, all right. We'll, we'll ask the questions. We'll ask questions. Folks, we'll ask the questions. Yeah, totally. <laughs> okay. Super, super interesting insights here. Um, what do you think... Um, yeah, question... Um this again, off field, nothing to do with Enquire Labs, but um, more insights from the merchants who use your site. Yep. What's the team structure for a brand, a breakout brand under five million, ten million, fifty million, and then fifty million plus? How how would you if you were to operate, you know, a brand in you know in that transition, a breakout brand? going through those milestones, essentially. How does the team evolve um, up that value chain?
0: Yeah, the smaller call, it sub 5 million. Definitely, I would lean heavily into agencies and consultants um, as much as possible on the smaller brand. And maybe not for the reason that many people think about, but an agency and a consultant is like a thousand times easier to fire than an employee. And if you get the wrong hire that early, it could be, detrimental your business if you have the wrong agency most agencies have a call a 24- hour out clause um, so uh, again not great to jump agencies for sure because there's definitely some knowledge that they they learn working with your brand but if you can outsource that and kind of keep them accountable it will just reduce your risk risk very early on but I think once a brand starts to hit the three to five million dollar mark like that's when they've scaled a little bit beyond kind of that f- Co founder or founder of growth of someone who maybe had some previous direct consumer knowledge and should really start to to look for a head of growth or someone who comes from a more quantitative background, mm-hmm. um, hopefully the brand is already built so you 're not looking for someone with a band bra- uh, a brand background you 're looking for someone more with that like growth. dive deep into the spreadsheets, hopefully knows some SQL or just analyzing data who could really start to look at the business in that point of view. Um, Again, I'm not going to mention anything on the supply chain side, because that really depends, I think, on the vertical and what the product mm-hmm. is. Um, so from five to 10 million, I think that's when you start just, your team is just growing. So you're starting to compartmentalize everything. So this head of growth might then have a head of email or head of retention or just the very different channels reporting up to them. Um, and that's really what it looks like until about 50 million Um it just starts to get more and more compartmentalized. But again, a lot of these brands can grow pretty efficiently from an employee headcount perspective. perspective. Um, and then after 50 million is where things get a little bit more exciting, at least from what we see from the data side of things. And that's when we start to get uh, just more data literate people we interact with who are just might not even have any direct consumer or e-commerce experience. They just have a ton of data analytics or analysis experience. Um, and that's, that's the path that we see as far as companies scale. Uh, again, to my point earlier uh, on the podcast, it's like, how how quickly should you hire that data analyst is a question that I love to get answered. Mm-hmm. Um, I think quicker than most people think. Um, but that at least that's just what we see as far as how companies should think about kind of team size as they scale. Interesting, super interesting. Thank you for that.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and uh, the final question really is, um, does... From a first to a last click attribution data. So your 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 last click obviously is what you get in Google Analytics. Your first click is are the um, the answers you get from you know tools like Enquire Labs. Should brands care about what happens in between? Um, so I find out about a brand on Facebook. Um, I've watched a YouTube channel, um, seen a billboard or whatever, and then eventually I Google them and um, purchase should you care about what's in the middle
0: or um, is it just the first and last? Yeah, I I would say yes, if you're starting to think about marginal CAC. Um, So on the margin, you want your CAC to be even across all channels, essentially. Um, You want to get your next customer the cheapest you possibly can. And if you're at that level of optimization... It could start at 5 million. It could start at 15. Like, then totally you're going to want to think about all the paths to purchase. And, like, honestly, I'd probably go use a Rockerbox or Triple Whale has been doing a ton of great stuff lately yeah. um, to go solve those problems. But that's if you're trying to optimize at the margin. If you're not yet, let's say you're just like advertising on a few channels, like, I would not increase the complexity of the data you're looking at because it's going to get very difficult to action on. So a lot of this, like that's a lot of what I'll preach is like how easy is data to understand and be confident to move forward with it directionally. And if you have all of this data and all of these clicks and you're using some, like a lot of these MTA solutions, like Rockerbox uses a really fancy ML algorithm to measure and weight channels. So like the long and short of it is it's very hard to understand. Like their platform will report what what channel did what during a path to purchase, which is really what you want. That's what you want to action on. But as far as underlying the, or understanding the underlying like principles, which does that, it it just gets very complicated. So I think there's definitely a time and place for it. Like for sure, like if I was a brand doing $10 million, I 100% would have an MTA solution integrated along with a lot of my proprietary uh, kind of attribution modeling that I would be doing, which would kind of be my bottoms up approach combined with top down to create hopefully a, a really awesome competitive advantage. Interesting. Super, super interesting. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um,
1: I think those are, those are all the questions I have. Um, This has been a terrific conversation, Matt. Um, You know, thank you. Thank you for, for, for sharing your knowledge. Um, Any parting words um, to, 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 to teams um, listening to, to e-commerce operators, listening to, to this um, episode, do do you want to just, you know, have, have last words, you know,
0: just word of advice, please? Yeah. I just to like keep, keep preaching this like CLAF framework or just methodology of way of thinking. Um, if anyone wants to reach out to me, I'm on Twitter at Matt R. Barr. Or email me at Matt at com. Like happy to just have very open conversations with customers or just merchants about this and how we think about it. We're going to definitely start publishing more on this as well. So we'll have some content to reference, but that's definitely my parting words at it, I'm not going to say it doesn't fit nicely with survey data because it, it does very well. It's like, what do I want to know about my customer, essentially, that I could then model up for? Um, but that's definitely our, our parting words is just to start thinking about solving and building a brand and a business from a bottoms up. Like, who are my customers? What could I possibly know about them versus the traditional, like, I spend X on Facebook and this is Absolutely. my return now which is more or less your top down approach it's a very timely episode
1: because um uh, you know, the, the episode before this we, we had rich page on um rich page on he's a you know um CRO guy and he was talking about customer research being the gold mine for commerce period oh, cool and you know just this is really timely so customer level attribution framework claf is is your core and, you know, just want to thank you. So for those of you who want to find out more, you know, about Matt and Enquire just go to inquirelabs.com. Um, Matt, are you a LinkedIn person or a Twitter person?
0: Uh, either, to be honest. All right, you know, right, choose right. your we'll desired
1: link, channel. We'll link to to to, to both platforms. And um, yeah, thank you so much for coming into our Xecoms podcast. Awesome. Thanks so
0: much for uh, having me on. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll connect soon. Cheers. See ya. All right.